1: welcome to another episode of good music podcast i'm lucas
0: i'm grant and i'm ethan and welcome to the show everybody uh make sure that you are subscribed because we have new episodes coming out every monday uh if you've been around for a while and you have an artist that you'd like us to talk about let us know by messaging us or dming us on facebook or instagram and that's the best way to reach out to us about anything uh and lastly if you love the show Go down into the episode description. Click, uh, click the Patreon link in the uh, below. Become a patron. You get episodes early and special access to our favorite segment, which is the Bad Music Podcast, where we talk about the six worst songs from the artist that we are talking about. Speaking of, you guys that have been around the show for a while know if you've been following, this is we're kind of doing a new format. Uh, me and Grant have literally no idea who we're talking about today. So now I get to, Mike, my, my, get to genuinely ask, Lucas, who are we talking about today?
1: Well, um, this is a, what we call a volume two. So this is going to be an episode on an artist that we have already covered before. Okay. And this is kind of our opportunity to dig a little bit deeper. And this is a band that right now is, up for nomination for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame so I felt like it was a good time to talk about them probably by the time this comes out we'll know maybe I don't know when the they actually get to introduce it but we're talking about the Foo Fighters Oh really Ooh. No way Yep we we broke the
2: one year rule didn't we
1: Yeah I mean it's 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 been almost a year it's been like 10 months but Okay well um, I
2: was- I was kind of close. I thought we were going to do well. Okay, I had three predictions, and one of them that Lucas gave me, but I thought it was going to e- either be uh, Bona or Fleetwood Mac or Motley Crue. So I was kind of close with one of those.
1: Yeah, you are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump into first thoughts. So, Ethan, when I say we're doing an episode about the Foo Fighters, how does that make you feel? I I have
0: never really gotten. I mean, Pat. I feel like every musician kind of knows of the Foo Fighters because they're kind of too big to not know of. Um, I I probably, and I say this with every band that's not within my genre wheelhouse, where it's just like, oh, like Foo Fighters is like the rock thing, you know? And so I was like, okay, I know, you know, the Pretender, and that's pretty much it, you know? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. And, and so, yeah, I'm, so like literally I'm like, didn't the Foo Fighters perform at like a Super Bowl one time? No. Oh, I
2: wish. Oh. I, wish. Prince, I
1: wish. Prince did a Foo Fighters song during his set. Are you thinking, thinking of Maroon, Maroon 5?
0: No. <laughs> okay.
2: He would not <laughs> he get, get Maroon 5. Because <laughs> <laughs> they kind of sound uh, the same-ish.
1: Yeah. No, they do not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm just familiar with both of them. I don't know how familiar Ethan is with Maroon 5.
0: Oh, oh
1: he, he loves
2: Maroon like-
0: yeah, I really like Maroon 5. Well, I did like okay. Maroon 5. Well, yeah. I think most you know, people
1: they, used to like Maroon 5. They did. Well, they
0: tried to pull a Coldplay and like keep evolving with the times. They just did not a very good job.
1: Yeah. I respect well. the
0: effort. Anyways, I think I'll probably say that I'm just a straight up 5. I'm I'm completely neutral. I I think that they're good. I think that it, it, the only reason that I'm not a 6 or a 7 is probably just because I haven't listen to it and i don't know why they would be so good uh, but i know that they are so I, I'll, I'll put myself at a five I, I don't go out of my way to listen to it uh i just i just i'm not a rock rock i'm not a rock guy so i'm just gonna be at a five
1: Alrighty, uh grant you've uh you've done a foo fighters episode with us i I have done
2: a Foo Fires episode. Um, And we actually covered a Foo Fires song when we were doing the covers last summer. That was great. Yeah. Um, That was a lot of fun. And it was good to get to know, like, kind of how the songs were structured that way, right? As we go through the volume twos of some of those artists, maybe, you know, that will kind of be a a continuing thread of just the realization of, like, oh, there's a lot of different layers to a lot of these songs. Uh, And it's like, anyway, okay, so I should just start with general first thoughts. I think I'm at like a 7, may- maybe an 8. I can be easily persuaded to be an 8. Um, and that's just because it's like I like a lot of Foo Fighters, but I don't really know how to get into them. I mean, personally, right now, I am in kind of the Nirvana phase of the Dave Grohl uh, career, right? And I'm, I'm trying to soak in all of that before I move to Foo Fighters. Um, but I love the musicianship and I like watching Dave Grohl interviews because he's a very great
1: uh, uh, one of the funniest guys in rock for sure
2: oh yeah oh and for sure he's got the greatest stories too like he was uh, drumming with Tom Petty and you know uh, Tom Petty made the statement that he's like oh it'd be a shame if we uh, you know never did that again and they ended up never doing it again he regrets it but he's telling that story he just couldn't become uh, Tom Petty's drummer because he was wishing that uh, it was kurt up there you know because that was right <laughs> after um, that you know nirvana had to unfortunately cease um but anyway so yeah i'm at a seven or eight i like a lot actually i'd go ahead and say i like all of the songs that i've heard of them but i just don't know where to start i'd love to go see them if they ever come around um i am excited to get into more of them i'm very excited that we're doing an episode on them uh, I'll just leave it at that. So, uh, I guess Lucas.
1: Um, so, I would say that I, before doing research for this episode, I was, like, on the border between 8 and 9. I had my Foo Fighters songs that I re- and I remember I really rose in appreciation when getting ready for the last episode on them. But now, with this episode, doing a Full run through, and, and our ranked playlist does have every single Foo fight song. This it's not restricted by anything. So, a
0: reminder: we had so a five is neutral, a six is I kind of like them, seven is there are some songs that I love, and an eight is I know and love pretty much every single song that they have.
1: And uh, I would say eight is I, I. Love several of their albums and would consider myself a fan. Nine, I would say, would be like, you know, the deep cuts and you're, you know, you're on the next level. And then 10 is they're close to one of my favorite. Of all time. <laughs> I
0: have 10 as pillar right now. This music has changed me as a person, is a 10.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would say that at this point for me, I'm a very strong nine. I'm finding that they their music kind of is changing me a little bit um it's 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 changing I've noticed my drumming has changed since I really started working on this episode um my whole process towards like I've had moments where I was just like what if what if I just like made my own album and it's like it. makes me think that I can do it and I keep saying to myself, Ooh. man, if I was in a band, I would love to make music that sounds like what the Foo Fighters make.
2: Ooh, that is so that is
1: sounding like ten. It's that, that I think they're almost right? rotating. They're almost
0: in pillar category.
1: They're almost 10. like it, it's 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 straight on line, but I still think it's in a nine. But I mean, it's a very very strong nine. I've I'm continuing to be amazed by how much I'm loving the stuff that I continue to find by them. So So
0: those of us that weren't here for episode one, can you kind of give us the rundown?
1: Yeah. So the person that's most important to um, Foo Fires, obviously is Dave Grohl, which um, Ethan, are you familiar with Dave Grohl?
0: I am mostly familiar, but I think for those of us that are not familiar, you should give us a a little.
1: Yeah. He obviously rose to popularity first as the drummer for Nirvana. Um, which was one of the biggest bands of all time, changed music forever in the early 90s, pretty much brought grunge to the mainstream, killed the 80s. I mean, like he was at the epicenter of one of the biggest movements in music history. And then all of a sudden in 1994, it ended. Kurt Cobain took his life. And, um, He found himself very aimless and lost for about a year. He didn't – he said that he couldn't even listen to the radio. He didn't want to make music. He didn't want to play music just because it just – like because, you know, it just made him think of Kurt. And finally he realized that he needed to do something or else he would spiral down into a pit that could potentially lead him down the same path. He got very depressed. And decided to just make an album to kind of like help heal himself. Mm -hmm. And that Foo Fighters album, and that entire album was done just by him. He played every instrument, wrote all the songs, all the vocals. Where's the name something? Um, he said that he's always been a science fiction fan, and he just wanted something that um, was mysterious sounding. Because originally, he did not bill the fact that it was him. He wanted it to fool people into thinking that this was a band with tons of members in it. But he wasn't able to keep the secret for very long. <laughs> um, but this it was never meant to be released. This was just going to be something for him to have for himself. And to just kind of help him get through this, this difficult time and he just happened to give some copies to some of his friends, just say, hey, you know, I am I made this, you know, here, enjoy it. And then they ended up passing it on to record executives because they were like, Dave, this is really good. And then they called and it was just like, hey, we want to officially release this, make this a thing. And that's when Foo Fighters began.
2: So what are, what are some of the notable songs on that first album?
1: Well, um... The big ones being, uh, this is a call. I'll stick around. Alone and easy target, big me. Um, it's the first album is very unique. And also, by the way, I didn't even really ex- specify what we're doing with this volume two. We're talking about the early years. Okay. So we are gonna act. We are gonna feature music from this first record um we're gonna specifically look at the 90s which contains their first three records so 95 the first album comes out and that's when he assembles the band because he needs to take it out on tour right and um when that when he put that group together um he got nate mendel on bass, who is the only uh person in Foo Fighters that has been with him since the very beginning. He's been on every single album since then. Um, he also got Pat Smear on a uh, lead guitar. Actually, Nirvana's touring guitar member because obviously they were a power trio so anytime Kurt would do a solo or anything there wouldn't be any you know rhythm backing track. And so Pat was someone that was already very familiar with Dave and had played with him a lot, and they knew that they had chemistry together. So it was kind of like a little bit of a Nirvana reunion to have him come on board for lead guitar. But he would leave at the end of the 90s, but then come back at the end of the 2000s, and he's still with them now. He just had about a 10-year gap where he was not with them. And then he got... um, William Goldsmith on drums who did not last very long. When they went to go make their second album, The Color and the Shape, um, he buckled under the pressure of recording and um Dave ended up re recording all of the drum parts himself. And then that made but he didn't fire him. He still wanted them to be part of the band, but he got really mad that Dave did that and left the band. And that's when Taylor Hawkins came in, who is their current drummer. He came in at the end of the nineties and Taylor Hawkins is about as close to a Dave Grohl drumming clone as you can get. Yep. He is a brilliant drummer and he's kind of become the second face of the band. Like it's Dave, but then like everyone also knows Taylor. And, and Dave himself does
2: the rhythm guitar and the, uh, lead vocals. Lead vocals yep and he writes and mixes and produces and all that stuff he doesn't mix and produce
1: i mean he does produce but he's not he doesn't get into the engineering part okay um but every single musical idea starts with dave dave is the unequivocal band leader the other members have been quoted as saying that like our job is to make what dave hears in his head a reality like they don't bring song ideas really to him. They help him once the once the process begins, but the the initial spark of the song always comes from Dave first. It's kind of like he he is like the leader of the band and everyone is helping him.
0: So, I think the only as I'm kind of come on Spotify looking through the albums, Mm-hmm. I know I know the most songs from The Color and the
1: Shape. Yeah, it's kind of it's their big album. And we're going to talk about it a lot tonight specifically. Um it's kind of like if you were to pick the classic Foo Fighters album, that's the one that you would pick. It's the like the first their first album was big. Like it but it wasn't like, you know, world conquering that second record was world conquering that was kind of like when they really became like a force to be reckoned with in the music world yeah they um they really exploded on that album uh i would say it's i would say it's really it's a toss-up between that and wasting light which is their 2011 album on what is their best album. Because Wasting Light is one of the best rock albums I've ever heard. Wow. But also so is The Color and the Shape. They're both records where there's not a single bad song on it. Every single song you listen to and you're like, wow, that was really good. Those two albums are very different stylistically from each other. Uh, Color and the Shape has a very raw sound to it at times mm-hmm. where Wasting Light is very it's almost it's almost like clinical and how good it is like it's just like every single song was like made to be like a stadium anthem and mm-hmm. Color in the Shape almost still feels like a bit of an underground record mm-hmm. because okay. Dave Dave Grohl is like a punk guy at heart that's kind of where his musical roots are Hardcore punk, and so you'll hear this side of Foo Fighters from time to time that is really heavy and really intense. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you've ever heard the girl scream, you know that he can. He could be in a death metal band if he wanted to. There's, there's some songs that they do where he is only doing like harsh yelling vocals, and it's like really impressive. And they can just they can they can go to that level.
2: So would would he describe Foo Fighters as being a rock
1: band? Yes, he would. He is – Dave Grohl is maybe rock and roll's all-time biggest fan. (laughs) And the way that his approach to it is that he wants to make pure rock and roll.
2: So – Sounds like he has.
1: Yes, and he has. I would say no other band has been able to do it that has been new to the scene in the last 25 years. As far as just, like, to where you listen to it and you can't put any other labels into it. It's just rock. Yeah. In the same way that ACDC is just rock. Yeah. It's just good old-fashioned arena rock. Mm-hmm. And Dave Grohl is just is an incredible song. He, um... Did he write all these, like, by himself? Yeah. Um, well, definitely on, uh, the first record the second i mean he does i would say it's like all the songs are like 90% him for sure and yeah. then you know the other members will inject their own yeah but he's aspects. the primary
0: songwriter on everything
1: yes he doesn't have a songwriting partner typically if he ever does it's from outside of the band oh and that's that's tended to be more of a recent thing
2: that's almost kind of weird
1: i mean it's it's just kind of the way that he's sh- shaken up his approach, but it still continued to sound great. Um. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look at this at this um this first phase, which is Foo Fighters on the rise, and you can hear a very distinct evolution in the three albums that we're going to be looking at. You've got the first record, which is such a anomaly in their discography as far as the way it sounds and the, and obviously the way it was approached too it's the only record that was not made by the band it was all him so of course it's going to be completely filtered as well as the fact that it was not written for any commercial satisfaction it was not written for people to be heard and you can hear that the a lot of the songs on the first record are not easily accessible it's a very it's a very experimental and very atmospheric record. Well, it sounds like not, something that
2: could really work. It's yeah. In Dave Grohl's hands, yeah. You know?
1: At the same time though, you can tell that he hasn't quite polished his songwriting chops yet. I would say that songwriting wise it's the weakest, but at the same time it's also maybe the most daring album he's ever made. And so that kind of makes up for it in certain places. Yeah. It's the first you'll, one. Yeah, you'll hear stuff on there that you would never hear on any other Foo Fighters record. Like, it's, there's there's one song on there where he uses a guitar tone that straight up sounds like black metal. Wow. And I, I remember the first time I heard it, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> so, you said his,
2: uh like, songwriting experience, like, he didn't contribute any songwriting to Nirvana, did
1: he? Mm, no, but he did... He a lot of the songs from the first record he had around him since the late '80s, but okay. they were just they were just little demo tapes that he would have. Eventually, like just every now and again, he'd kind of get a little cool song idea, but he never took it seriously. And um, I mean, he in the same way that Foo Fighters is kind of the unequivocal songwriting leader of Foo Fighters Kurt was the same way in Nirvana. He didn't he didn't have people coming in and going, "Hey, let me write a song with you." Like Kurt usually always had a pretty finalized vision of what he needed. Okay. And but I obviously, you know, being around Kurt, I'm sure had massive impacts on the way that he wrote and the way that he the way that he sounded. Mm -hmm. um so but yeah a lot of a lot of the first record the first record is is hard to get into when you have heard a lot of other foo fighters the first record is easier to get into when you have no conception of what foo fighters is it's the reason why it was able to be successful but I found that when you've listened to albums like "Color in the Shape" and "Wasting Light" and "Echo Silence" and "Patience," there it's almost a little off-putting to listen to the first record. But it's one that I found the more I listen to it, the more I like it. Oh, that's nice. It's it's a it's been a grower, and it's one of those ones to where you appreciate it because it's imperfect. You you become used to Foo Fighters' albums sounding pretty perfect mm-hmm. and sounding really good and it's it's there's almost like a charm to the rawness and the diy nature of that first album.
3: I know what
2: you're
1: saying. It's like listening to the old demo tapes of some of your favorite bands. Mhm. A lot of the songs on that, that album is do it. that. You like glorified demo tapes. Yeah. They're just really good. Yeah, so so you
2: said we we're going to talk about the early days, the first three albums up mm-hmm. like you know before 2000 what happened Post two thousand, that you decided this will be the dividing line. Like, what takes us out of this era?
1: Well, um, so like I said, Taylor Hawkins comes on, into the band in ninety seven. Yes, right after the recording and release of Color and the Shape. Because mm-hmm. when William Goldsmith left, Taylor was the one that came in and replaced him. Uh-huh. And but. Taylor still had a lot of issues. He had a lot of the same issues that William did where he was so intimidated and frightened to play for Dave Grohl that he was constantly having issues in the studio getting good drum tracks, which Mm -hmm. is crazy to think of now because of how great of a drummer Taylor is. But just like William, Taylor was also dealing with substance abuse issues. And so that mm-hmm. that probably also played a part. But mm-hmm. unlike William, Taylor was willing to let Dave Grohl record some drum parts. He said that the third album, There Is Nothing Left To Lose, that half of the drum checks are recorded by Dave. But they've never said which ones. Mm-hmm. So Ooh, you kind of got to figure out <sighs> just by your ear. But it's, it's also kind of hard because they have almost the exact same style. That is helpful. But when you get to the 2000s, there is a, the first three albums they're adding to what their total sound is. Mm -hmm. Like the first, um, the first album sets their, their primal rock and roll sound. The second album injects some arena power into it. And the third album injects the softer side. The third album is mostly softer songs. Wow, How more al- nice. more alternative rock than than hard rock or even pure rock and roll. Was that well received? Oh yeah, it was the it was a huge record. It wasn't quite as big as Color of Shape, but it was still huge. Um, if you ever heard their song "Learn to Fly," that was at that time the biggest song they'd ever released.
0: Oh yeah
2: that's like that's got a great music video we talked about that in the first yeah
1: that i i still go back to that music video and and laugh at it (laughs) It, it's crazy because dave grohl's appearance
2: changes you know over the years in a really weird way i mean because in nirvana he wore that uh that baseball hat he's Mm -hmm. completely unrecognizable from the way he looks today with you know the long hair and the big beard and you know smile on his face and it's crazy, and in that "Learn to Fly" uh, music video, he doesn't look like either of them. <laughs> yeah, I, either Nirvana Dave or uh, Today Dave.
1: Mm-hmm. Something in the middle. Yeah, um, yeah. You could you could really say that after that record, like kind of the entirety of the Foo sound is in place, and from that point on, it's about where can we take that sound. okay yeah it's all it's all different variations on those three main elements the arena the hard hard rock side almost heavy metal side and then the 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 softer alternative rock side
2: so they don't really ever uh i guess adapt the times or expand to like a fourth you know dimension of music really they kind of play around in those three areas
1: um, I mean they they do, just not in overt ways. They'll they'll do it more in the conceptualization of what they're doing. Like they'll 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 have experiments that they'll do. Like, especially they've loved to do this in the twenty tens. Like wasting light, the whole theme of that record is let's make an album completely analog on tape rather than digital. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next album is Let's Travel to Eight Great U.S. Music Cities and Write a Song in the Vein of That City's Music Scene while still making it sound Foo Fighters. And then the next record after that was What If We Made a Foo Fighters Record but We Got a Pop Producer to Make It. So it's it's almost kind of a, not necessarily Beatles of them, but
2: it it's, it's almost trying to inject their sound into something else rather than inject something else into their yes
1: sound. yeah that's a good way of putting it they're they're keeping their sound intact but they're putting it into different spheres their 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 newest album is what if we made a foo fighters album that sounded like a dance album
2: oh that's going to sound weird
1: it's. Right. I. I will say that it's the first record I've ever heard from them where I was just like, I don't think that this worked. Really. Mm-hmm. I would say I think it's their weakest album. But it's still got some great songs on it. I mean, yeah, it
2: is. It is the genius of Dave Grohl, so. Mm-hmm. Can't
1: do that
0: yeah. <laughs> I
2: wonder if I would like it. You might.
1: <laughs> Maybe. You'll
2: have. Ethan to get the tends to like the the weirder mashup stuff.
1: The
0: Medicine at Midnight record.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, I I don't I don't think it's it's near as strong as anything else they've ever made. But there's the problem is is that there's not like there's not an all time classic on it. Even even the album before that, Concrete and Gold. There's there's like there's two songs on there where it's just like those those will forever be like legendary Foo Fighters songs, and you know it the instant you hear it
2: that is true there are some there's some uh, particular foo fighter songs that's like as soon as you hear the intro like um uh, our first song for the first episode
1: yeah uh, best of best of you
2: yeah yeah exactly like as soon as that starts and he's got i you know he says i got another confession to make it's like you kind of know that like oh this is like this is a well written song it's uh-huh. a well produced song you can hear it in his voice and it's like that's a perfect take Like it's so well that it's like there's a lot of effort put into this that you know that you're you're in for a real treat. Um, first time I I listened to, first time I listened to Everlong. Right, I I thought the same thing. Like the whole way through the music video, I was watching the music video, the whole way through it. It was one of the most hilarious, dumbest music videos I think I've ever seen. But I loved, I loved it, and I loved the music, and I. I will never forget what it felt like the first time I listened to that song.
1: Mm-hmm. Their best songs. Like you, you feel the power of it the first time you don't have to listen to it multiple times to get it
2: right. The power or the emotion. Right. And that's kind of, that's kind of what rock or I should say, what part of rock is, is that you're, it's not really a puzzle. You know, we talk about bands where their music is a puzzle. Rock really is not one of those things. Mm
1: hmm. Mm hmm. There's a visceralness that grabs you the first time you hear it. Right, right, which is very important. So yeah, the 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 '90s, those first three records, you can. It's a it's a band that's growing, and it all culminates in the early 2000s before their next record of um, Taylor having a heroin overdose. Mm. And it kind of just completely you know once he recovers from that, he gets sober, and it's kind of like at that point it's like the foo fighters are just like they're off they're only upward from here,
2: and okay. it's just,
1: it's like it's kind of like that's when the modern foo begins
2: the modern and- fight
1: Uh uh-huh they're not they're not they're not having to grow in their sound and their songwriting anymore it's kind of it's all in place now now let's just start making great records and so you can really see it's the growth in this first period of them kind of learning to fly if you don't mind me saying oh boy (laughs) oh boy all right so some of the songs we're going to hear tonight you're going to hear that that, that that growing aspect, mm-hmm. where it's just like you can hear, and you're just like, you know, it's you're hearing the origins. It's mm-hmm. not as polished as what they eventually turn out to be, but they're still really great songs.
0: So, what should we before we get into listening? What should what what is the
1: Foo Fighter sound? What what are the things that we should be listening for? Um, you need to be listening, um, just for. Overall, great groove. The parts always fit so well together. Um, particularly, the the interplay between the drums and the guitar is always very... You can tell that a drummer has come up with a lot of the guitar parts. That's that cool. everything, everything is very... It's all very rhythmic. And that helps mm-hmm. propel everything forward. Um... You're going to have a lot of great rock hooks. I think I think Dave has set himself as one of the greatest rock hook writers of all time. He just continues to come up with so many great – and I've noticed the more that I've listened to Foo Fighters' melodies, he does have his certain – I don't know what the theory of it is. I'll let you guys kind of fish that out but he always has these very specific ways that he takes the melody there's certain chords i can tell that he really likes to use like he i don't know if they're 7 chords or the if he's using like a flat or a diminished something but he always has this these moments in his melodies where it takes the turn you don't expect it to but it kind of Again, I don't really know how to explain it, but I'll see if you guys pick up on it's it. It's
0: probably flat six, flat seven, one. Yeah,
1: maybe I don't know because again, I don't know really what that means. But you'll, I'll have you guys see if you can.
2: Yeah, pick. No, up I know, on. I know what say saying. It's in uh, it's in learn to fly.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, like it's it's stuff where when he you know he's doing the course and then he goes down to the bring man. Uh, yes,
0: yep, flat six, flat seven, four one. Classic. classic, I didn't know
2: there's a four in there, but uh, yeah, no, that's a very that's a very strange.
1: But that's something I've noticed. Um, The lyrics are usually always very personal to him. Um, He's not typically writing about as much about what he sees in the world but he's usually drawing from some kind of personal experience. So it's, you know, he's usually not making commentary. He's not, you know, he's, he's writing about his, what's going on in his life. So, and because of that, I do feel like it's, it's allowed a lot of his songs to, people to latch onto them and identify with them. Mm Mm-hmm because they're saying oh me too mm-hmm. I feel this way as well oh he's speaking right to me I'm mm-hmm. going through this same issue right now and mm-hmm. so his, his lyrics are always usually very personal to other people mm-hmm. and um, I mean other than that it's just good rock and roll <laughs> well what do you say we listen to some good rock and roll I, birth, I think it's time to get on to it so birth, true exposure to foo fighters yeah i'm really excited to see how this turns out um we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break when we come back we're gonna talk about the six songs that we have picked for this episode so stay tuned we'll be right back
3: This episode of the Good Music Podcast is brought to you by Southern Safe Rooms. When severe weather threatens, you want the maximum protection for you and those you love. If an intruder forces their way into your home, you need a secure space for you and your family to take shelter in order to stay safe. If you want a secure place to store your guns, guitars, or other valuables like drums, A custom shelter is the solution you need. Southern Safe Rooms builds custom certified safe rooms that can be installed in your home, garage, workshop, or anywhere you have a concrete reinforced slab. Southern Safe Rooms builds all of our safe rooms in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and can install them on any reinforced concrete slab. The Southern Safe Rooms custom storm shelters can withstand wind speeds of up to 250 miles per hour. Southern Safe Rooms have been tested by Texas Tech University and are built to exceed FEMA standards to withstand an EF5 tornado. The Southern Certified Safe Room is constructed with the highest quality materials far exceeding conventional storm shelter construction. With over 110 years, countum of steel manufacturing experience, Southern Safe Rooms knows how to build a secure shelter for your home. Call 918- 5843371 or visit our website southernsaferooms.com. Welcome back everyone to the Good Music
2: Podcast. We finished talking about Foo Fighters our volume 2 episode on the Foo Fighters and we were talking about the early days everything from 1995 up until 2000 and it is time to talk about the six songs that we have selected for this episode. So, for those of you who are new, please, please listen to our first Foo Fighters episode so you get a little bit more context for what we're talking about. But thanks for being here anyway, if you are new. And Lucas, could you explain to those of us who are new what we're doing here?
1: So, um, this is the part of the episode where we really just start to dissect some of the songs and get some concrete examples of what their music is like um in a volume two we're not as much concerned about introducing you to the band but rather this is taking you deeper in this case we're diving s- deeper into the uh the beginning segment of the band's history so from like you said 99 95 to 99 and uh, these six songs are going to give you a great snapshot of what the band was like during this period. Also, the songs are picked and arranged in a way to where they flow well off each other, they transition, and there's an emotional flow that at the end of the set, hopefully you should have a cathartic emotional experience. Now, like we said earlier in the episode... Uh, this is going to be our first episode where they have never heard these songs before. So uh, they're going to be giving their live reactions as they hear them. So unfortunately, we can't play the music on the episode. But if you guys would like to participate with Grant and Ethan, there is a link in the description of the episode. Uh, I'll take you to a Spotify playlist they're going to count down and hit play at the same time. You're free to do that as well. And you can kind of hear our commentary as the track is going. So this could be a kind of a cool way for you guys to, you know, engage in the episode and kind of make it a little more fun. I know that I'm going to have fun here. (laughs) So I feel like it is appropriate since we're talking about the beginning of the band, we should start at the beginning, the first song off the first album. All right. As well as the first single, so for most people, this was their introduction to the Foo Fighters. This is so. this is a call. All right, Ethan. I'm sorry. Three.
0: three, two, one, play. Right.
1: So, this song, you're going to notice that the lyrics are quite strange. The lyrics don't quite make sense in this song. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for it. It's mm. intentional gibberish. Dave felt that after he released this record, that people were going to heavily scrutinize every lyric for all signs of him grieving over Kurt Cobain. Mm, and so true. he wanted to he wanted to start things off by kind of disarming everyone because he the to, album cover looks like a like a. Pistol of some sort. <laughs> yes. He he then he ended up also getting a lot of controversy for that, saying how could you put a gun on your cover when that's how Cobain killed himself. And he was like, Oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> huh. His
2: vocals sound very Cobain here.
1: Yes. I I would
0: agree. I mean more so than like he usually is. It's so crazy that he's playing all these
1: instruments, right? Yeah. Dang it. Why is he so good? It's pretty impressive. So yeah, yeah, he, he's gone on to say that he's just like, there's, there's nothing in these lyrics except for in the chorus. It's kind of his way that this is a call to all my past resignations. He's pretty much kind of giving a salute to all of the people that came before him, all the bands that he was in before that helped him get to where he is today. Mm -hmm. But then everything else is just, he said also that he was, he made the album in five days and so <laughs> and so his producer and his engineer was just like come on we need lyrics real quick and so he said he wrote it in 20 minutes and I was just like nice. here here we go let's go
2: so uh, said that he wanted no one to really scrutinize it to look for signs of of kurt in them so he knew mm-hmm. that even though it was for himself that uh, people were still gonna listen to it
1: yeah, this was actually uh, one of the songs that he um, wrote after. So, so this, well, I this
0: guess... drum breakdown thing.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we got a drum breakdown right now, yeah. Um, I think that honestly, that's probably a statement that he said retroactively to kind of get the criticism because people have kind of lambasted this song for just the lyrics kind of being like nothing. But this is a song that just it it almost on paper shouldn't work. It's a really weird melody, and the words are really weird. But it has a charm to it that you kind of can't resist.
3: Yeah, it is really
0: raw. We only have like fifty seconds left in the yeah, song. Yeah, it's yeah, it's <laughs> like it's just been pushing the entire time. Mm-hmm. I will say it's just it's very it's
2: very uh definitely Foo Fighters, but it's... Everything about this sounds really... You know, and maybe that's just me saying that because this is their first album. But we're, I don't think we've gotten to the point where we're into songs like Learn to Fly and, and you know, things like that. No,
1: that... that this this, where, oh, this of, ending is dope. <laughs> oh, yeah, guitar. the ending is... The ending's really awesome. That guitar breakdown. Ooh!
2: Yeah, and the, like keep Keeping time on the crash. Oh, they wait, just did the
0: guitar. <laughs> that's pretty Ooh, sick. Pans. <laughs> we just got to the guitar breakdown. Oh. Oh, okay. dang. it. we're okay. We're at, we're on. I'll stick around now. And it just goes that. was a pretty cool it, transition. <laughs> yeah.
1: they just, we just go right into it. So this is the second uh, song on the record as well. Um, I'll stick around. Is the first song that Dave said that he ever wrote that he instantly realized that this is a great song and confident about it. He said that all the other songs on the album he didn't feel confident about it until they reached the final mixing process. He said that there was something about "I'll Stick Around" that immediately struck him as this is a this is a good song. Was i well Stick Around"
0: as... the most successful song on the album?
1: Um, No, This Is A Call has kind of become like the big song on the album. It's the the only one they regularly play in their live shows. But Mm -hmm. I'll Stick Around has kind of always been like the number two song on the album. Um, Yeah. So he said also this was the first song where he really put himself into the lyrics. That the lyrics weren't just a means to an end to get the song finished that he wrote about something that really resonated with him.
0: Which is what?
1: Uh, His hatred of Courtney Love. (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't know who Courtney Love is, she is Kurt Cobain's uh, widow, who a lot of people blame her for Kurt's death because she was also a drug addict. And some people even go as far to say that she killed him. There's oh, a lot wow. of conspiracy theories out there that she that it was not a suicide, that she murdered him. And um I would say that the feud between Dave Grohl and Courtney Love is one of the nastiest feuds in music history.
0: What? We need I'm, to talk about this in after hours, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get into more detail about it. But I mean it is, it is it is nasty. And so, this song is written to her, telling her because she was very um, opportunistic on Kurt's death. Because, like, right after she, because she was in a band also in a band called Hole, and right after he died, she her band released an album called "Live Through This," that has really kind of aged poorly and is kind of seen as a as a bad taste record. And also, mm-hmm. just people kind of really agree that Hole was not that great to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it was just a rushed out record to capitalize on the drama of. <laughs> uh huh. Hear, hear the hear the album by Kurt Cobain's grieving widow.
2: Man, do you think that was uh, the band's fault or their record company's fault? I
1: think it was her fault. She wow. is. She is. She has notoriously been known as a liar and. A very petty and just an overall, overall pretty terrible person.
0: Is there anyone that's on her side?
1: No, not oh. even her, not even her own, not even her own daughter.
2: Oof! Oh, we got the we're keeping time on the crash again. Yeah, we
0: got about twenty more seconds in this bad boy. Yeah, it's this song. Definitely still is it, a, is it very Foo Fighters to just? as I mean I guess it's a Dave Grohl thing like. None of these songs ever, like, give you a chance to catch your breath.
1: That's it's more reminiscent of the first record. Okay. The first record is very, like, just kind of like, it's always moving at all times.
2: Yeah, it's, Ooh, it's
1: a Foo Fighters-ism to have that on the crowd. Another drum intro. Mm-hmm. My Hero. So now we move on to The Color and the Shape, which is the big record. And have this, heard this. Yeah, this is oh, one of yeah. their all-time yeah. biggest and best songs.
0: This this has a little bit of a negative stigma in my mind of being like someone putting together like a crappy football highlight reel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, there are a lot of uh, poorly used... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Song. Or like, I'm going to put together a cool montage. This is the song but that they would pick. <laughs> I,
2: I think there's a very... Important Foo Fighters ism here in the beginning, like there is a, tr- a drum intro, right? But then you have that uh, open note uh, melody that you're with, like the melody that you're playing. They do that all over this album. They do that in Monkey Wrench. Um, they do that in I think they do that in some parts of Everlong. But like
0: that's that's all over Foo Fighters stuff.
2: Right? This guitar and, line on the
0: chorus is so good. Yeah. Oh, can and you the, the harmonizing guitar lines on the?
1: Can you immediately hear a difference though to this oh, record?
0: Yes. Yeah. How
1: full it sounds. And it's and it's engineered clearly. Everything is just so crisp. And can you also feel the step up in songwriting as well? Yeah. Yes. And I mean, then they end on that four chord right there. Just... Oh <laughs> yeah yeah so so my hero a lot of people have tried to say that he wrote this about kurt and he has denied that he said that this hero is about all of the heroes that are not he that are not famous about how Mm. the real heroes are the unknown everyday people he said that growing up that he never had rock and roll or celebrity heroes, that his heroes were his his parents, the his teachers, his the people around him that poured into him, you know, the 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 bandmates that helped him along the way. And that, you know, that, that chorus line, there goes my hero, he's ordinary. Yeah. You're gonna make and me so, cry. Yeah. So he's pretty much used just like he doesn't understand hero worship. And he said he saw a lot of that with Kurt Cobain, and that this – even though the song is not about Kurt, it was inspired by the yeah. way that people saw and treated Kurt as yeah. this almost godlike figure. And he's saying, yeah. no, the people we should be admiring are the people that are walking down the street that don't get the credit they deserve. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, Ethan, are you at this bridge?
0: Yes, I am.
2: That build up to the bridge, and then it just yeah. gets – It's like it's the same kind of rhythm. The guitar is kind of doing the same kind of thing that's happening. Yeah. And he's singing at the same rhythm, but it's just a little bit more intense.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, it's so good. And we're back to the main chord. Sorry, I interrupted Lucas.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I (laughs) (laughs) didn't. That's good. That's a
0: really famous drum part.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. This it's this this is. Kind I of have stolen
0: you know. this for uh, worship music before. Oh actually. yeah,
1: this this is a very yeah. That is a. I never even thought of that, but you're absolutely right. I about have
0: it. I have straight up ripped this before.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and those, those hits at the end of the chorus, I'm. That's
2: iconic, right? Mm-hmm. Ending on like that. Dawn. Uh, oh, all
1: right. Twenty seconds left. All right. I'm mm. I'm liking, I'm liking this. We're just we're just moving, we're blitzing through. Well, oh, we got an extended Yeah, we got an interesting this. little ending here. Yeah. Kind of kind of again to close out the first half of the, of yeah, the I was season. about
0: to say, I was like this is a Lucas Christman set mood changer oh, yeah. <laughs> move right here.
1: <laughs> but what are we gonna change to is the question. Oh, no, I've what never heard, heard of this next song. Stack Stack. Oh. oh, I've heard this. So you probably know this from Guitar Hero Metallica, Ethan.
2: Guitar Hero Metallica, but it's that goofy. guitar
0: tone is really <laughs> weird.
2: It's it has and yeah, uh, Here we go. Now we're now we got both, <laughs> and it's very nasty. It does this is not a guitar tone I necessarily want. It doesn't sound very, um, Ooh, what's the word? Uh, together. Oh, whoa, what
0: I love it.
1: Are we in Bassanova land now? <laughs> this is one of the strangest Foo Fighters songs, but I love how how strange it is.
0: This I need, is... I need to pick up my black metal paint put on a Hula skirt, I think. Reminds me of Black Magic Woman.
1: Yeah. Uh, so this <laughs> is off of the uh, the third album, Nothing Left to Lose,
0: mm-hmm. which,
1: like I said, is, is mostly a pretty soft record, except one of the heaviest songs they've probably ever written. Uh
0: well, crazy. crazy! It still has that good, like. I mean, this doesn't feel very heavy, but then like, that those guitar lines are heavy. There's a good polarity
1: to oh. it. Yeah, You're,
2: there's there's a little bit of stabs coming in here. You can tell it's coming. Oh, there it is. At the a chorus, I would assume.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I many people I, are in I, this band, I, by the way? So at this point, there are. F- there's actually only three people in the band at this point, because he did not get a new lead guitar player until the next album. So Dave Grohl does all the guitars on this record, and he's got Nate Mendel on bass, and then Okay. So they're down to a trio for this record. The only record they ever made is a trio. Um, This song is about um, him living in Hollywood for a year and a half, and him Mm -hmm. hating hollywood culture <laughs> that's that about how how fake and plastic everyone was and pretty that's much It's
2: that's the most dave girl thing <laughs> yep
1: and courtney love also claimed that he wrote this song about her but he said he didn't yeah which is just the, another courtney love he,
2: sounded a little bit full of
1: herself oh she definitely is wow Uh yeah, she she, she, was, she totally thought this song was about her. And Dave Grohl came out was just like, no, it's not. But I'm glad you think so.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Weird, like, vocal slide
2: down.
1: Oh, that
0: scream is crazy.
1: Yeah, the, the, the nice Dave Grohl scream. <laughs> and we get a rare Foo Fighters guitar solo here, too. Yeah, check check out that uh, ride action going on. So, like I said, this is this is quite a heavy song, even though we do have those restrained, strange bossa nova like verses. I I like f-
0: the strange
2: bossa nova verses. I love it too. What do you mean, rare Foo Fighters solo? Wait, do Foo Fighters thugs not have solos? Have I not been not, noticing this? N-
1: not really. They're not a they're not a guitar solo type. Now they That's will still so one. I would say that less than half the songs on every album have a guitar solo. And that's you know, when, and that's generous. I haven't noticed that. Well, the, n- n- <laughs> none of our previous three songs have had guitar solos. Huh? None of the previous three songs on the sets had guitar solos. Ooh, I was oh. They go back
0: to the Bossa Nova part at the
2: end. <laughs> For the outro, yeah. <laughs> the outro. And he, like just cut out exactly. just his vocals. But like, yeah, not having a guitar solo and then not missing it. I think that's good songwriting right there. Oh. Ooh, you're seeing what we got next. I'm, I'm liking it. I, I have not heard of this one yet, so. February stars.
0: stars. Right.
2: February stars.
1: So this, is, this is a bit of a deep cut. But this is, this is going to set up our finale quite nicely.
2: Uh,
1: this is a song, the first time I heard it, like, this song really struck me. Um, there they didn't really write any songs like this on the first record. You listen to the first record; it's very, it's very raw. Even in the times when it was dynamically softer, it never was pretty. Mm-hmm. It was more haunting, mm. and like I said, atmospheric. And this was this was the first album that they really went for a song like this. Where it's just it's very restrained, very beautiful, Um and just really just creating just such a a comfortable sound.
2: Yeah, I mean we're we're a minute into the song. We just got drums, you know, and it's
1: only like uh, ride some. There's not even bass yet. Yeah. But I think that this is I think this is a one of their best deep cuts. I think that this is a really unappreciated song and I wanted to give it a spotlight on the album or on this playlist. So um, I don't know why they're February stars, but pretty much the, the whole song is just about hanging on to hope when uh, when everything is pushing you off the ledge. And mm. just about how everything is temporary, and if you hold on long enough, that you will see the light of day.
2: Mm. And well, what if it comes to be that the soothing light at the end of the tunnel is just a freight train coming your way? Ha
1: ha ha! <laughs> uh, and Sorry. at this point, at this point, this was this was Dave Grohl was maybe at his lowest point ever when making this record because Dude. he was going through a divorce,
2: mm, no
1: and good. the band was falling apart. He had this immense pressure to follow up on the first Foo Fighters album. The record was not going well at the time, particularly because the drums were just, they could not get a good take on anything. And th- this was kind of like his letter to himself to just hang in there.
0: That's nice. So, so did very
1: real. Like, keeping this, it
0: real during the studio sessions? Did they what? Did he write this while they were at the studio?
1: Yeah. Because what they did was there was an original version of the album that was almost done, and then they scrapped the entire thing and they started over. Mm.
2: That's a Chinese democracy move right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, we're getting into some heaviness. Ooh. I'm about three minutes here. Ooh, those hits.
1: Yeah, and this, I love... Huge. I love the turn that this song takes.
2: Oh yeah, and it's like it's the same thing, but it's just heavier. Mm-hmm. But yet, yeah, so bright and new,
1: and his like slightly raspy voice is just perfect for this. His voice sounds so good on this record. It's am- again, it's mm. amazing. All the things that that improved between the first two records, like his mm. confidence as a singer just exploded on that album. Yeah. And produce some, you know, some incredible results. This but is an this, incredible result. Yeah. I I just, this is one of those songs I was just like, more people need to know about February stars. Ooh. Ooh, we just
2: got another guitar, I think, in the mid, in the middle. To kind of add a little bit of extra flavor there. More guitars. Oh, what I'm picturing is this is the... uh this is the song where everybody gets their lighter out. Yeah. And, like does the does the wave?
0: This is this is the fade to black this of the a really of big battle. Ooh,
2: and they're uh, slowing down at the end.
0: A big power chord ending. We
2: got uh we got about ten seconds left here.
0: Uh the song. Mhm. The song. Oh my
2: my Spotify's acting up. Come on Spotify.
0: And we're here. Oh, the
2: song.
1: You're right. So, Everlong, the 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 Foo Fighters song. Mm. So, I don't know if
2: So, the Foo Fighters song.
1: Um, I would say most I feel like my hero is the Foo Fighters song.
0: <laughs> I would song, say at m- least most- on Spotify this song has like quadruple the plays.
1: Yeah, it's their really? most it's their biggest song um they've played this song live more than any other song and this was this was the song that made the color and the shape such a huge record mm-hmm. like this was this was but like you can,
0: the... you can definitely hear on this song though like a huge development in sound yeah yeah mm-hmm. like a stylistic approach to <laughs> and
1: that hi-hat stamina yeah yes <laughs> oh man i've I've lately I've been just kind of working on my hand speed by playing to this song, and it is, by the time you get to the end, like, your wrists hurt so bad. <laughs> your forearms.
0: You gotta hit the gym, Lucas. Come on.
1: Uh, no. I know. So. But Everlong is the song about his divorce. And oh, about him at the time when his relationship was at its worst, him looking back on when the relationship was at its best. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's just kind of looking back to when everything was fun and innocent. And then that chorus is if everything could be this real forever.
2: This mm, chorus. Wait for this, Ethan. Oh, man. Unless yep. you've heard it before. I know this song. I just didn't know it was about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was just about like singing with someone and like when you make music with somebody, you get that... Maybe that's somebody trying to inject um, Kurt Cobain into it, but music with someone, you kind of... There's, like, a, a an emotional connection that you don't get any other way. Uh,
0: this is, in my opinion, this little... This is kind of one of those lyrical puzzles. That little, that little musical interlude between the chorus and the second verse is, like, mm-hmm. my favorite part of the song.
1: Yeah, it's... It's really good. Just everything about this song is just, it's like, it's its that that god-tier level of rock songwriting. It's yeah. just, this is a lightning-in-a-bottle type of song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember, Grant, you were so mad when I didn't put this on the first Foo Fighters set. I was set. so
2: mad. I was so mad, but I'm glad it's here now. Man, because I would have made uh, us cover this if we, I mean, I loved doing Monkey Wrench, but But I would have made us do this song if we had it on the last. last Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. And that harmony on the chorus. Oh, yeah. It's so tight. And yet his voice me too, and it just, it, it, uh. Oh, I forgot about the cutout. Oh, me too. And it's got the weird, whatever
1: voices are happening yeah apparently it's him reading simultaneously a love poem, a technical manual, and uh some fantasy novel. interesting. so
2: just random gibberish,
1: yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, his, it's just him injecting his own humor into it to like for people that I'm sure were like trying to figure out what's the secret code that he's putting in the background there. And he's kind of it's almost like he's trolling them.
2: He did a bit of trolling.
1: He did a uh, he did an opeth. Yeah.
2: Oh man, we got twenty seconds left of this set.
1: Yep. Man. Uh, this set the... could be forever.
3: Uh, it could be forever.
2: Let's put this song on loop. That's that's what I used to do. <laughs> when I discovered this song, I just put it on loop. That's it. Oh man, that's it. That's the set. Wow. All right, so
1: yeah, it was. We uh, we were able to kind of just really run right through these songs, which was which was fun. I felt like I kind of had to really make sure I had to hit the hit the specific points. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, that that was good. It was it was nice, and we got to kind of experience it as we went, and we got to see a lot of different colors of the of the early days.
1: So, um how did where did this guy this set take you emotionally through?
2: Hmm.
1: Like, kind of where did did you feel the set kind of just guiding you along to a to a specific place? I'm Honestly, I think... the
0: first four the first four songs it was just like drive, 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 drive. And then I felt like February stars. We got a little bit of a breather, and, and then into it was almost like a reverse. Not that ever is like a down song, but it was almost like a it's almost like a the plane is landing kind of situation where oh, yeah. it's like we're oh, starting out
3: we're there
0: and then it's like and now we end with everlong and you know I mean, everlong is driving but it's not like a stacked actors or a my hero you know it's
1: a very different kind of driving the, and so
0: I thought it was nice yeah. I liked the, I thought it was a great set
2: the plane is landing I think you described that perfectly I think we started off with those first two songs being like you know pretty intense pretty heavy rock you know Uh, and then my hero kind of showed us a little bit of a different side and added some dynamic value that we didn't have before and stacked actors kind of completely broke that down in a really weird way and so when we get to february stars we can build everything back up from essentially you know not having very much context at all because stacked actors was so weird um compared to the first three and then you know by the time we get to everlong and you Hit that, you know, really quiet uh um, major seventh and build from there, that's like the whole song was a catharsis moment. It was it was the plane landing and it was like it was it was like a sappy. It was a sappy into the set, you know, musically. Cause that's just the way that uh major sevenths are. So yeah. <laughs> I thought it went from, from really intense and I guess a youthful energy to a more mature way of songwriting.
0: And yeah, it's almost like it, I feel like Everlong being about his divorce, like, probably in, in his mind, like the divorce was probably what's what differentiates his first three albums from the rest of the Foo Fighters' career. That's probably the biggest personal change that he had.
1: That's yeah, probably pretty fair to assume. So, um, where what would you rank these songs as far as kind of your least to your favorite? Oh, we can't do that, or it's going to give that's away. That's it. Final Fables. thoughts. Okay, we can do that in final thoughts. Since, since yeah, that's what we'll be doing our um, in our after hours as well. I'll go ahead and let you guys know where it ranks on the ranked playlist. Yeah. So I think Everlong has to be the technical best one. It's got to be number one. <clears throat> so this is a call I put at twenty-one. All stick around is at forty.
3: Whoa!
1: My hero is at five.
0: Mm. Ooh, I would have thought. Okay, I would have thought that would have been like number two.
1: Stacked actors is twenty-three. <laughs> Boo!
0: Whoa!
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> February Stars is 24. <laughs> and Everlong is number one.
2: Of course it is. It's got to be.
1: All right, well. No, uh, Monkey Ranch is at number two. Really? Mm-hmm. hmm uh, I can also tell you what the previous uh, episode songs were. I've got best. Oh, yeah. Best of You is at number three. Um, I have these days at number seven, The Pretender at number eight, and Learn to Fly at number nine, and um, The Feast and the Famine at number twenty.
2: Oh yeah, Feast and the Famine. I forgot that was a thing. It like, well, it's good to know the rankings because, you know, it's good to know what what we're missing in those six and sevens. You
1: know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Well. I think we'll go ahead and uh, take another break here. When we come back, we're going to give our final thoughts and talk about what our favorite songs of the set are. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ethan. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just got done listening to our six songs from the Foo Fighters this week, which was this is a call. I'll stick around. My hero, stacked actors, February stars, and Everlong. And now it is time for our final thoughts. We, this week, genuinely, we got to give our first thoughts at the beginning of the episode. And now that we have just freshly listened to our six songs, now it's time for final thoughts. We just how have our opinions changed and we've kind of changed our favorite song to now we're going to list our least favorite to our favorite of the six songs kind of add some more suspense so um grant final thoughts about the foo fighters well i told in my uh, uh first thoughts that it wouldn't
2: be very hard to convince you of an eight and i think that that was done <laughs> you know particularly the color and the shape album i think i know what i'm going to be listening to after this or mm-hmm. well you know later on to this evening um and ah man oh man it's just every song i've heard from that album has been just a step above most of the music world it's crazy it's crazy um i would have to put uh i i, I hate to do this i'd have to put stacked actors at the bottom it just didn't resonate with me like the idea didn't resonate with me then I'll do, I'll stick around. This is a call. February star is my hero and number one on my list ever long. That's got to be my, my ranking. And it's just, I am, I think I was uh, correct to be excited about this episode. I think I'm slowly starting to understand. It took two episodes to me be on the Foo Fighters uh, episodes for me to slowly start to understand why they are you know, as big as they are and why people love the Foo Fighters so much. And Dave Grohl. So, that's a pretty short final thought, but... So you're from a seven a seven to an eight? I am... I was kind of between a seven and an eight. And now I'm firmly an eight.
0: <laughs> firmly an eight. What did we decide?
2: And I'm looking to get to number nine. Oh, eight God. was...
0: Eight was... You just you like most of the songs you love most of the, a lot of the songs and nine is deep cuts i
1: uh, yeah N- yeah well, nine let's... would be you like you need to listen to everything that they have
2: right so right. so if uh, if in the shape proves to be what i think it's going to be oh i i i
1: trust me it <laughs> will
2: yeah then, that's the that...
1: album i would tell you that's the one if you
2: that's the first place you go then i'll I'll probably move through them at whatever um order I end up deciding probably chronologically that's just the one that makes most no sense and then if I like all the deep cuts, then maybe I'll be a nine If it really changes me, maybe I'll be a ten you know? <laughs> let's, let's keep this momentum going
0: so. all right Ethan huh. I would say I probably moved from a five to a six um it's it's again it just goes back to like I I have grown an appreciation for Dave Grohl especially because I I like knew that he was the Foo Fighters singer I knew that he was a drummer I knew that you know he was kind of up there at least in drum talk like whenever people talk about rock drumming Dave Grohl is the modern favorite you know outside Mm -hmm. of like Instagram like like social media drummers um I am so surprised. So at, at Grant, so I would say from least favorite to favorite, man, me and Grant are so opposite on this because I had like <laughs> my I had my mouth like completely open when after you said your ranking, I was just like, how is this even possible? <laughs> I think I would probably order it from least to favorite. I would probably do February Stars at the bottom. Uh, I'll stick around. At number five. Uh, there's a call at number four. Yeah, February stars. I'm getting lost in the playlist. February stars. I'll stick around. There's a call. This is a call. Yeah, this is a call. <laughs> my Hero Everlong and then Stacked Actors was my favorite one.
1: Ooh. Whoa. Interesting.
0: No way it was just because there was so much i felt like it was the most inspired yeah i can see that it it was just like whoa you're doing this crazy bossa nova but like rock, like that's why i was like man this reminds me of black magic woman you know and it's just like it's so like just creatively impressive it it i was just like oh my gosh this is amazing and then being able to just go into that the guitar tones are just it's just such a weird fusion of things but it ends up working so well everlong is obviously i think we would all agree it's technically the best song Mm -hmm. but man stacked actors is. i'm gonna i'm gonna like really remember that one <laughs> i'll remember I'll really remember that one too I mean it was good
2: but it was just it was not my favorite is what I'm saying don't don't think that because I put it at the bottom I don't like it so
0: Lucas you were essentially a nine and a half yeah yeah all right have you gone down to a nine have you gone up to a ten
1: um I guess, actually, I made a mistake, and I kind of actually told you guys where I am at this point. Yeah. I, kind of weigh my uh... I would say that I was like at the – my first thought was I was bordering between 8 and 9, and now I'm firmly a 9.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was, that was an error on my part. Sorry, right, guys. But I can tell you what my favorite songs were. By the way, when I rank the songs on the playlist, I'm ranking a lot more from my head than I am from my heart. Just because I rank something higher doesn't mean that that's my personal favorite to agree. Um, I would put probably, I'll stick around as sixth. Um, February stars fifth. This is a call fourth. Stacked actors third. My heroes
3: first. Wow! Down
0: stacked
1: long. actors hate. Um, stacked actors, I think, is awesome. Wow, the hatred. I've that I've loved that <laughs> song for a long time, ever since I heard it in Guitar Hero Metallica. Uh, I'm just I'm a I'm a sucker for some great arena rock, so. the will do it. Uh, I also got to tell you guys about Harry's pick. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So Harry, my four year old son is now obsessed with the Foo Fighters. Let's go. <laughs> like, he, he, a, he has a weekly obsession with yeah, everything. He does. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, there has not been a time yet where he's been like, eh, I don't like this. He went hard on Foo Fighters. And any any t- I can't go off of what he tells me because he changes it every time I ask him. But I know which ones he res- resonates with the most because he'll know the words, and he gets the most excited when they come on. And the yep. one he got the most excited for every time was "My Hero." Mm, a good one. Yeah, he, he can sing just about every word to that song. It's a good pick. At least but didn't pick Stack Actors or something. This This, this <laughs> call came very close to him. What did? This is a call.
0: That's pretty good. This is a call. Is a good song it is it's crazy to go back and even listen to this as a call and I'll stick around because it sounds so different
1: yeah the first record true and those are the most yeah fighters like sounding songs on that album
0: you also have to tell us about the drama between uh, Dave Grohl and that lady
1: oh I will we'll we'll do that in after hours oh saving it saving it Mm -hmm. for the patrons yep so, if you guys want to have access to that segment, you should uh, click on the description or link in the description of the episode. It takes you to our Patreon page where we uh, do the Bad Music Podcast. But sometimes we also kind of go off on little t- about stuff here and there. And um, yeah, check it out we have uh, we have exclusive content, we have early content, and it's just a way for if you like what we do and you want to support that's the best place to go to Um, but if you don't want to do that but you still want to support us hit that subscribe button Um, we have new episodes every Monday morning 9am central Uh, um, make sure that you tune in next week we are going to be going to the 70s next week and going to talk about one of the all time great bands but Ethan and Grant don't know who it is yet. Nope. They're going to be sitting in suspense <laughs> just like you guys do. So uh, make sure that you tune in next week for that. And um, if you want to um, – uh, if you want us to talk about one of your favorite artists, make sure that you either uh, send us a message on Instagram or Facebook or leave us a review. And put your favorite uh, band in there. We, once a month, are picking an artist that you guys have recommended to us. So um, your recommendations are heard and taken into account. So we want to hear what you guys want to hear episodes about. And make sure you check out the other link in the description of the episode that takes you to the Spotify playlist. Uh, If you didn't follow along with us in the episode, then make sure you go listen to the songs. And that's it. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan. Keep on listening to good music.